Well, we're in a series right now called Next Level Faith, and uh, I've just really enjoyed the study time that I've had for this and, and uh, how God has been speaking to me about this. And I want you to turn with me a passage we've looked at before, and it's the book of 2 Kings chapter 3. 2 Kings, thank you. 2 Kings chapter 3. And uh, I want to talk a little bit, of, we're, we're using this Next Level Faith series out of the book on talking about Elisha, um, who was the servant to Elijah. And Elisha was a prophet. And uh, I want to share some thoughts with you today about moving our faith to the next level. And so we, this is one of my favorite messages called, uh, that I, one of my favorite passages because it's about digging ditches, okay? And... Uh, and I've shared a little bit with this, uh, the, a little bit of this idea with you before, but we're going to really dig into it today. And uh, so I want you to, uh, first of all, I just want to say that as you, as I share this message today, and we kind of hit on this uh, quite a bit at the earlier part of the ser- service, I want you to listen to this message, if you would, through the lens of your greatest need. Okay. So I want you to be thinking about this morning, what is your greatest need right now? Sometimes, you know, we say, people have said to me, Pastor, pray for me. And I say, what for? Just pray for me. Just pray blessing. Well, what kind of blessing? What are we talking about? Physical, financial? Are we talking about your family? Where are we going here with this? Sometimes it's tough for us to, to isolate. What is our greatest need right now? Of course, I've had people say, everything. I need prayer and everything. So please pray over every aspect of my life. But I want you to be thinking about this morning, where right now, if we, were to, if we were to look at a place in your life, your greatest need, okay? Now, when I say that, I want you to take this into context. Your greatest need that has to do with you, not with what somebody else needs to do. Okay? That always makes it tough for folks, I know, because we're like... You know, I've, I had somebody ask me the other day, you know, said, well, you know, I want to I wanna pray for someone. How can I pray for them because they need to do? And I said, well, you know, that's a great prayer. And I, I've thought the same thing. How do I pray to get someone to do what I want them to do? Wouldn't that be awesome if you could pray? But what if everybody's praying for you to do what they want you to do? And you're praying for them to do what you... And then now we're all just praying for crosswise of each other because I think you should be doing this and you should be doing that and... And we all know what you ought to be doing. Right? No, what we do is we pray that our eyes are open to the, the revelation of God. That we're, because that's where it has to come from. I was sharing with someone the other day, we were talking about children. And, you know, I, we've had our battles with our children. And they were raised in the house of God. I mean, I taught them the word. They never missed church. They never even thought about asking not to go to church. <laughs> Ever. And... Uh, you know, I gave them a choice. I said, worship or die, period. That's it. It's your choices, okay? So, you know, they knew that growing up, and it was a big, you know, we laughed, but I mean, I was pretty serious about it. And, uh, you know, I said, this is where, what we do. So we never got up on Sunday. We, back then, we had Wednesday night service. We never, they never said, well, I got a lot of schoolwork. I can't go. I said, no, we're going. You should have got your schoolwork done, and uh, so you'll be up later doing your schoolwork. So, but that's the way we raised our kids. Well, then they got off going to college age and got older, and they started doing some bizarre stuff that we never taught them to do. 
And here, not too long ago, I was really ticked off about it. Because I was like, you know, Lord, I'm going to say something to them. I'm going to say how, you know, I'm going to tell them I'm upset about this. That's what I was telling the Lord. I'm I'm going to go after them about this. And you know what the Lord said to me? And I didn't even like it. He said, shut up. I said, why? I said, because he said, you're trying to do my role now. This, and this is exactly what he said, and this might help you this morning. This is not my sermon, so don't take this time off of my message. <laughs> this is what he said. He said, look, you're to train them up in the way they should go. That's what my word says. Train them up in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Amen. I said, well, how old is old? He said, don't worry about it. That's not in your control. But what I'm doing is I'm working in your behalf. You did your part, now let me do my part. Are you listening to me? Now that's helping somebody today. Because see, look, there is what the Lord said. You go ahead and say what you want to say and run your mouth. He says, and I'll tell you what, you'll just make it harder for me to get them where I want to get them. I'm already working on your behalf. I'm already doing stuff because you and I are in covenant because you did what I asked you to do. Now let me do what I told you I would do. Glory to God. So I want you to listen to this message through the lens of your greatest need, whatever that is. If it's physical, if it's family, if it's financial, Uh, But I want you to hear it through that lens. All right, so kind of setting up this scenario of what's happening. Israel has decided to hook up with some other, the the Jerusalem has decided to hook up with Israel and another army, and they're going to go after the Moabites. And so this is kind of their plan. The problem is, is that as they do all of this coming together, they bring these three armies to attack the Moabites, a problem happens, drought hits. And drought is so bad that they can't even water their animals, their horses, nobody. So people are dying of thirst. It's a bad situation. And they thought they were doing the right thing, but things got really, really bad. And so they're in this real difficult situation, and that's where we'll pick it up. So what they do is they say, look, this is in 2 Kings 3, and... uh, they said, let's find a prophet. Let's see if somebody can give us a, tell us what God wants us to do. And so they called for Elisha, and Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, this is in verse 14, Surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, which is the southern kingdom, I would not look at you nor see you. But now bring me a musician. And then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him, came upon Elisha. And here was his answer. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Make the valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you will not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord, and he will also deliver the Moabites into your hands. So as we look at this and we we look at this particular passage, I want you just to kind of think about if you were in this situation and you needed God to fix something for you. 
and God's response back. See, what we tend to think is God will work through what we already know, right? Because what did he say? It's not coming by the wind. You know, when the wind starts blowing, you kind of know a storm's cooking up, right? Um, you know, down on our farm, you know, we can see pretty far both all directions. And uh, so we can tell, you know, the wind's picking up, the clouds are coming in, there's rain gonna, about to happen. You, you kind of can just tell the circumstances that things are about to change. But God tells them, look, nothing's going to change. You're not going to see anything change. You're not going to see a single thing happen. But he says to him, look, here's what's going to happen. He said, you guys are going to have to dig some ditches. You're going to have to do something that seems absolutely ridiculous. I mean, can you imagine? They're out there digging ditches, and someone says, what are you doing? I'm digging a ditch. What for? God told me to. Well, what's supposed to happen? Well, he said it'll fill up with water. Well, that's stupid. That would never happen. That can't happen. That's not how God... It doesn't work that way. Everybody say it doesn't work that way. Because our natural mind, right, has a way that we think things should happen, right? The way that things should happen. But God can do things contrary-wise to the way that we think that they should happen. And so he says, look, it's, it's not going to rain. There's not going to be any wind. Now, I want you to think about this. You're asking thirsty people to go out in a hot sun and dig ditches. I just want you to roll that around in your thinking. You come to me and you tell me, Pastor, we're in a drought. We need help. Okay, I'll tell you exactly what to do. Dig a ditch. What's hot? And we were just watching WNEM, and the weather guy said, no rain. It isn't coming. In fact, they're saying we're in a national drought. There will never, we'll not get any rain all summer. And so how do we respond? How do we, what do we do? Pastor said, dig a ditch. Pastor said, God told him that we're supposed to dig ditches. It's hot. That sounds stupid. I don't feel like standing outside sweating, digging a ditch, when what I need is water. That's right. And why does God, why doesn't God just say, okay, guys, go home, it's going to rain. Why didn't he just say, okay, here comes the rain. But instead, he said, you do something, and I'll do something. You do something, and I'll do something. Now, as we, we won't have time to look at all of the testimonies of this in the scripture, but there are a whole bunch of stories that are told about that people that were asked to do something, and they refused to do it. They just said, no, no, that's not the way that I saw that playing out. I'm not doing that. And they could have very well missed out on their miracle because they refused it. Because they refused it. 1st point. Your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. No matter what's going on in your life right now, your greatest need, whatever the context of that is, becomes a great blessing when it drives you to depend on God. When it drives you to depend on God. 
You know, years, years ago, and this has been a ways back now, but, uh, you know, our ministry, we were, I mean, we were, we were struggling. I mean, we were, we were believing God for enough to pay payroll here. We never, I never got up and talked about stuff like that because, you know, you got enough stuff to deal with. We'll just believe God and stand in faith. And, but we were struggling. I mean, it was a Carrie and I, every week, we'd sit down, we'd look at the finances, we'd figure out what we could pay, what we couldn't pay. Some things, <clears throat> we only paid half of it and then paid the rest of it before the month was out. I mean, it, things were really, really, they were really tight. Anybody ever been in a tight situation? Finan- I mean, it was tight. And in the midst of all of this, I had the opportunity to preach at my old church in Marietta. My old church was, um, uh, it's now under a different name, but uh, Freedom Gate it's called now. But I, they're in the same building, and a lot of, there are several people there that, that I actually, I was their pastor. So I'm there preaching, and I mean, I'm t- preaching just a whale of a sermon and having a great time, you know, because you know you're a big shot when you're a little shot out of town, <laughs> Right? And uh, so I'm preaching away, and I mean, it is so powerful. And then I heard the Lord speaking to me, and he said, I want you to prophesy to these people that supernatural financial blessings are about to come to their ministry. And I said, so I stood up, and I said, I just want you to know, Pastor, Pastor Rodney's his name, and and, and the board of the church here, and you leaders, I want you to know that there is a tremendous financial breakthrough about to happen for this ministry. And finances are going to come in from the east, the north, the south, the west. They're going to come from all directions where you hadn't even planned. And uh, so just get ready. And the pastor said, amen, I received that. The board said, amen, we received that. And I went home, and a week later, we got a phone call uh, from someone in the church there that said, guess what? Finances started pouring in. People started giving at a larger level. Our ministry now, that ministry is supernaturally increased. Uh, they had a huge, I mean, a huge, substantial, substantial gift given to the ministry. I mean, a big, big, big gift that was given to the ministry that somebody left it. And they have not missed a beat since finances just have continued. They've been able to do all these renovations. It's absolutely beautiful. But after that, when I came home, you know, because you always got to come home. That's the thing, you know. I mean, it's love to stay in all that, and this is their thing, and we're sharing in all, But I came home, and I'm back in a meeting with Carrie, and we're sitting down figuring out what we can pay. And I'm thinking, you know, Lord, it doesn't seem right to me. I mean, you'd have thought that, wouldn't you? I mean, I, you're like, okay, you told me to tell them that. Now, what's your deal? Get on with it here, okay? I'm tired of doing it like this. We need, we need, I need you to make happen for us what you had. In fact, I came home and when they told me that they called and said, we want to tell you what's been happening. Uh, The treasurer's going berserk. The finances are pouring in. And I'm just, and I said back to the person that called, I said, well, I'm expecting God to do the same thing here that he had me do there. And I'm just waiting on him to get with it. Now don't judge me because I can tell a whole bunch of you have done the same thing. All right. And I mean, it may not be exactly like my story, but you've had that same kind of issue that you've had to deal with. So here's a couple of things. And I, and I don't get why God deals with me this way, and I don't, I don't have an answer because things did break loose financially. And they didn't break loose the way I thought they would. 
but they broke loose. And things started happening. I mean, at that time, we had two buildings that we were, I mean, we were, we were trying to figure out how to get rid of them because we were paying for this facility, we were paying for that facility, we were paying for another facility, and we were just trying to keep everything afloat. And man, I mean, it was so, it was just so difficult and I didn't, couldn't figure out what to do. And it was just weighing so heavy on me all the time. I mean, Sunday mornings, I'd go home and finally the Lord told me, he said, stop asking what the offering is. Because I mean, I'm, I'm not lying. Sunday afternoon, my wife will tell you, I was a disaster until Monday. Because all night I'd struggle with where we were at financially. I mean, I was trying to get back in faith. Does anybody know what that feels like? And uh, so, man, I mean, I was battling, and it, it'd be, it was tough, and it was eating me up. I mean, it was just tearing me to shreds. And the Lord said, okay, here's the first thing. Stop looking at the offering. Well, I'm, i got to be able to know what to do. He said, there ain't anything you can do, so just stop looking at it. What, I want, what you need to do is stop looking at it. That's what you need to do. Stop looking. I said, well, can I find out Tuesday? He said, yeah, you can find out Tuesday, but I don't want you to know on Sunday. So I told Carrie, I said, I don't want you to send me any more reports on, on Sunday. I don't want to know anymore. Uh, I don't want to know until you have time to get in and do your work on Tuesday. So let's just leave it like that. Well, the Spirit of the Lord, when I was driving down the road one day, I was talking to a mechanic, and this mechanic was telling me about how, because we needed some repairs done on a vehicle of ours. He said, yeah, well, I don't have any place to work on it right now. And I says, well, what's the deal? And he said, he says, well, I've been, uh, I've been asked to leave the place where I live, and so I'm homeless right now. And I had this thought that just kind of just went past my thinking that said, offer him one of those buildings. So I sat, said, listen, I'd like to meet with you. Can we have breakfast? You know, hey, let's have lunch together or breakfast or whatever. I'd like to talk to you about something. So we sit down. We have breakfast. We have lunch and, and, or breakfast or lunch. I don't remember what it was. But anyways, we have the meal. And, and then I said, look, you're homeless, right? Yes, I don't have any place to live uh, right now. He says, I'm just staying with a friend. And uh, I don't have any place to work on vehicles. And that's my occupation. And I said, well... I said, look, I'd like, to, I'd like to ask you to go look at this building. And he says, where is it at? And I says, well, it's down here, and I want you to go down there and look at it. And if you'll go look at it, then uh, I want you to tell me what you think. Well, he goes and looks at it, and he calls me back, and he says, man, that building is awesome. He said, I said, well, do you think that would work for you to live in and to have your business? And he said, he said Pastor Jolliffe, he said, that place is perfect for what I need. I says, well, I'd like to make you an offer that you can't refuse. He said, what's that? And he's thinking like I'm going to ask for, and I know he's broke. I said, one dollar. He said, are you, he said, stop messing with me. Are you serious? I said, no, I'm serious. We'll give it, I said, I'll sell it to you for a dollar. And there's about five acres, Chuck, is that about right? Five acres of land there. And uh, part of it was renovated, re, uh, newly redone. And uh, so anyways, uh, he, he sa I, I said, so we'll draw up, we'll get the lawyer, we'll draw the contracts, we'll get everything done, and uh, we'll do this deal. Now, we're still struggling. I mean, look, we're still huh, figuring out how to pay bills as a church. And uh, so he moved in there one week later. 
I got a phone call. And it was uh, the funeral home. One of the local funeral homes called me and said, are you interested in selling your building in town? I said, well, what are you guys thinking? They said, well, we'd like to come in and look at it and see if that would work for what we want. So we went down, they looked at it. And actually, in the middle of all of that, they made a huge offer uh, that paid the building off because we still had debt on it. That was the debt, only debt we had. And we had uh, and, and some stuff that we had incurred through here. And I mean, and they said, look, if you, if you will sell it to us for this price, it's a good deal. We'll pay for the lawyer fees. We'll take care of everything. They bought that building. It paid everything off. Now, that's, that's awesome. Everything's paid off. So we're debt-free completely, the ministry. We're still debt-free, but, but, I mean, everything's debt-free. That weekend, that, now listen to me. I'm not talking about five weeks later. I'm not talking about six weeks later. I'm not talking about a year later. That weekend, our offerings in the church went up 20%. That, I mean... I'm not a good snapper, but Sharon does it good. Do it. I can't hear that. You lost your snapper. There you go. So all of a sudden, and they never, they never went back down. They just, it was like exponentially everything began to increase. And, and look, and the ministry grew and finances and things began to happen. And, and I'm not going to go into all the story, but my point is this. In your greatest need, what God calls us to do is depend on Him. It drives us. I, I, I look at that, the knots that I had in my stomach, the pain I was, the difficulty, and Carrie was going through a ton of stuff with me. I mean, and Sharon was going through a ton. She had to listen to my whining at home and complaining and, you know, and just all the stuff that was going on. But in the midst of all of that, it was a great blessing because what it did was it drove me to my knees to listen You know, I believe God is always speaking. I just don't think we're always paying attention. You know, we're looking for the wind and the rain. We're like, well, God, you're going to do it like this, right? Because that's how you always do it, so that's how you're going to do it, right? I need a financial blessing, so you're going to cause somebody in my family to die that has a lot of money. Right? <laughs> Wrong. They, they might outlive you. I mean, it just is a, you don't know. Well, you're going to make me get a really big, uh, what is that that people get at the, their tax return? I'll get a huge tax return next year. You don't know that. Well, I'll get a big bone. You don't know that. But what you do know is God has a plan. And the plan will involve you doing something and then he'll do something. What if those guys would have said, that is the dumbest thing I ever heard. Get that prophet out of here. He's an idiot. He don't know what he's talking about. We are not going out in that hot sun with shovels and start digging ditches in the middle of the day when it's so stinking hot, expecting that something's going to change when you know the only way God brings water is through rain. And we need rain. We don't need ditches. We need rain. That's exactly right. but because they did what they were supposed to. Now, the incredible story with all of this is, and the way that God worked us was so powerful, because what ends up happening is, is that overnight, they go to bed, and they're, you know, all they've got right now is just holes in the ground. 
You got any holes you're believing God to fill right now? You just were obedient. You're just saying, God, I, need to, I did what you asked me to do, and I need a mirror. I need you to do what you said you would do. I, got, I have a bunch of them. And so they, they, they went to bed that night. In the middle of the night, water just appears miraculously. We don't know. We don't know how it got there. It just got there. But who cares? Because what they needed water was not an explanation. Boy, that, that's really good, Pastor. Thank you. That's so deep. What you need is water. You don't need to know why, how, right? How good the qual. You know, I mean, could you imagine somebody going, well, what's the quality of that water? I mean, really, come on. Do you really know if it's safe to drink? You don't know if it's... Look, there was nothing. And now there's something. We see that as God's provision. Amen. So they get up in the morning and, and here's the ditches are all full of water. Well, the sun starts coming up. And as it's coming up, they see the, 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 the sun is reflecting off of this water, and it looks like blood. And so the Moabites, who are off at a distance, they look over here at Israel, and they see it looks like blood is flowing across the ground. And they totally go into panic mode. And they start running for their lives to get out of there. And the Israelites chase them and defeat them. And I mean, it's a great, powerful victory. But it all started with them allowing their greatest need to become a blessing that drove them to their knees to ask God for direction and for clarity. Amen. Only God can send the water, but He wants you to dig a ditch. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah real quick. We'll wrap up here this morning. Wow. Isaiah chapter 1. And... Uh, I just want to, you know, because Jimmy was talking about there earlier about being obedient. And I want you to see this because I just think of the audacity of God. He just, he's not only audacious, he, is, he, has, a lot of he has a lot of temerity. He does. He does. And this is what he says. Look, he said, uh, he tells the people, your sins are red as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. He tells them, you know, they'll be white as wool. Then in verse 19, he lays it out. And this is where it gets really, really interesting. He says, if, and if you write in your Bible, go ahead and circle the word if. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you're willing and you're obedient. Now here's what ends up happening a lot of times for you and I as believers. We hear a message like this and we go, all right, I'll do it. Or we heard what Jim said. Let's just take what Jim said earlier. Okay, I'll do what, I'll do what he said because that was in the Bible. But here's the way God looks at it. God says, look, I don't want you just to do it. I want you to like doing it. Yeah. What? Look, I said I'd do it. Right? And God says, no, you got to be willing to. What is his problem? Right? And it's like you telling your kids to clean their room and be joyful about doing it. Yeah. 
I want to hear singing coming out of that room. I want to hear joy coming out of that room while I hear the mop running across the floor or whatever. They got it folding up of the clothes and putting them away. God says, if you're willing and you're obedient and you're obedient. He takes it to a higher level. So when these people had to do what needed to be done, he didn't want them just to do it. He wanted them to believe that there would be a different... So you can be willing if you know there's a different outcome coming. And that has to do with our faith. You know, when we talk about faith, we talk about like in James where it says, faith without works is dead. That we have to do something. But God doesn't want you just to do something. He wants you to be willing to do it and do it. Now, there's always folks that are willing to do stuff and not do it. There's always going to be those folks, too, that will say, I'll do it, but they don't do it, okay? And I've had lots of that in ministry and dealing with people in business that I'll do it, but then it never happens. They appeared to be willing. But to receive, to eat the good of the land, there's two things have to happen. Your attitude has to change and your actions have to change. That's all I've got to say about that. Yeah. Oh, your attitude. Oh, my gosh. God didn't want us just to go and endure a worship service. He wants us to worship. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and he wants us to be willing. What if you're very, what if our attitude is the, we say, well, I came, I showed up, I did it, I did, and God says, well, that's great, but you didn't do it right, so no reward. No reward. So here's what I had to do, and I'll finish, I'll stop. Back to my kids who I love dearly. You know, I want what's best for my kids, and I know what's best for them. <laughs> How many of you parents agree with that? You know exactly what's best for your children. Absolutely you know what's best for them. You've been around the block a few times. You know what, and I want what's best for them. I want them, look, I want my kids to be prosperous. I want them to be healthy. I want them to live long lives. I want them to pass on I want them to pass on to their kids the things that, these great truths. And I mean, I want it to go generationally so that when I lay down in the grave someday that I have total peace of knowing that everything is going to be, is going to continue on. The legacy will continue on. It just wasn't a one and done. Amen. So here's what the Lord, how he dealt with me. I, he, when he told me, he says, look, I want you to, I want you to uh, stop correcting everything your kids do, and I want you to let me work. I said, well, oh, fine. <laughs> fine, okay, fine, all right. I'll... <laughs> that is right there. You only got 50% of it covered right now, right? I'm like, fine. 
but I'm going to complain to Sharon about it and like, well, God better do something pretty quick because I'm telling you, I'm getting a little bit fed up. He's not moving quick enough. He's not doing what I, he said he'd do. Where is he at? Why isn't he blah, 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 blah. And Sharon's just sitting there just smiling at me and letting me go on and rant and rave and slobber and carry on. <laughs> and the Lord said, Richard, I not only want you to do what's right, but I want you to like what's right. You know, I found that that is a lot harder than doing what's right. How, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, look, it's one thing to do it. Fine, I'll do it. But, right. Okay, I'll do it with joy. What does it take to get to that point where you can do it with joy? And there's only one way. You have to see beyond what you see. Jesus, for the joy, Hebrews tells us, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, went through everything he went through to get where he needed to go. But he didn't do it just thinking about, I got to do this. It was with joy. I mean, you think about, you've seen the passion and all. And to think in your head that the suffering, the pain, the anguish of the cross, the, the dying, the death, the surrender of everything, that how that he could deal with any of that with joy. How could you have joy? Because he wasn't thinking about what he was going through. He was thinking about where he was going to. And who he was bringing with him. You got to quit looking at where you are and start looking to where you're going. That will help our attitude. That will help our faith. How do we have joy? We have to have faith. We have to have faith that God knows what he's doing. Well, he told me to dig a ditch. Well, that sounds dumb. But let's work it out. I'll do it. And I'll do it joyfully. Yes, Lord. I'm honored to do your will. I'm honored to serve you. I'm honored to obey what your word says to do. I'm, I thank you, God. I give my tithe joyfully. I don't just do it because Jim got up and talked to us about doing it. I do it because I'm joyful. I come to church because I'm joyful to come to church and sing the songs. And even though I may not know all the words and know even the rhythms of these songs, Joyfully, Lord, I worship you today. I worship you today. Pastor, it might be a little boring, but God, I know. He's had three closings already. I mean, I know that. Lord, I, do, I hear the word joyfully because I have joy. Because I have faith that God is working. Listen. Dig your ditch and do it joyfully. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord God. Uh, I thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit. Um, you know, I had this in prayer this morning. Well, heads are bowed, please. And just keep the camera on me if you would. Especially here locally, if you... 
Look, if you're in a place right now that you know God is calling to you to do something in obedience and, you know, to take a step of faith, maybe it's get out on the water a little bit more, maybe it's a decision in your business, maybe it's a, a financial decision you need to make, it's a move that you've got to do uh, somewhere in your life, uh, here's what I'd like to ask you to do. If that is something that you're in right now, that you're getting ready to do, or you're struggling maybe to make that decision to move forward, I'm going to ask you if you'd stand up. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Amen. It's okay. That's good. Hallelujah. Just give a moment. But if you're looking, if you're... You're at a point where, look, for, you know, you're at a dig-a-ditch moment, or you at least need a prophetic word to move forward what needs to happen. Uh, you need direction. Uh, I'm going to ask you to stand all over the building. Thank you. Thank you, everybody that's standing right now. We just be patient here. Don't, don't get in a hurry. Um, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, here's the thing. I want everybody that's up, standing up. Everybody look at me, but everybody stand and stay standing. Here's what I'm going to tell you to do, and I want you to listen to me now. Within the next week, I believe God's going to give you direction. Okay? This week, by next Sunday, all right? Now, here's some ways it can come. Someone could be sharing something with you, and like a light goes on in your head. You're just like, whoa, that, wow, that's awesome. Yes, okay. Or you could actually have God reveal something to you right inside here, okay? I mean, just something that you were blinded to became very apparent all of a sudden. You could also have a dream about something that could help you see your way through, okay, to give you clarity. Or you could have someone that actually could come up and give you a prophetic word. I mean, I've been sitting in restaurants before and just waiting for God to, I knew God had something he wanted to say to me and God spoke, had somebody walk up to the table. We were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and a girl walked up to our table and said, I already left the restaurant, but I came back because God told me I got to tell you something. And I said, go for it. And she told us, and we were like, that's right on. That's exactly right. That's exactly what we needed to hear. Now, I'm telling you, this week, but here's what you're seeking after. You're not seeking after an answer. You're seeking after God. Okay? You're seeking after the Lord. You're saying, Lord, I, my heart is set towards you. My affection is set on you. My mind is set on you. Not towards the answer. You're the answer. You're the answer I need, God, right now. You're the answer I need. And God, I set my heart, I set my affection upon you. And God, I believe whatever needs to happen is going to happen, and you're going to tell me what I need to do, but you've got to listen. Now, there's some people, as I'm sharing this, and I'm not going to tell you to stand now, but you want to stand now because you're like, oh, man, I just bear witness that that's me. That's me, too. That's something I need. Now, listen, you can take that while you're still seated. But I want to encourage you right now. I'm going to pray for divine revelation. Here's what the scripture says, and this is so powerful in Ephesians chapter 1, that the spirit that you and I have in us, that spirit of Christ that is inside of us because we're followers and believers in Christ, that he has given to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. 
Now listen to this. The eyes of our understanding would be opened that we would know, this is all in that passage in Ephesians, that we would know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of His glory, of His inheritance that is in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward, you and I who believe, according to His according to his mighty power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him down at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all, principality and power and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And it goes on to say, and put all things under his feet and gave him, now listen, to be the head over all things to his church, which that's who you are, his body. He put all things under his feet so here's what I'm telling you right now. This thing is about to get under your feet. I expect a little more joy for that. This thing's about to get under your feet. Thank you, Father. It's about to get under your feet. Hallelujah. Come here a minute and bring your son. I want, uh, I want uh, 10 men to come up and stand with this man right now. Just, you face me. You don't have to look at them. That's, it's scary enough being up here. I want 10 men. Come on. This guy is going through a terrible situation. His home is going through a tough time. I want you guys to gather around him, and I want you to lay hands on him, and I want you to impart to him, and I want you to pray that the Spirit of God comes over him, breaks this broken heart that he's dealing with and the frustration and pain. Come on, some of you guys get in the front. Some of you have been through some stuff. Man, pray for this guy. He needs, his family needs it. Thank you, Father. Now I want you women to begin to pray as well. Just begin to speak the Word of God and begin to say the, the things that God is showing you in your heart right now. Father, thank you for the anointing that destroys every yoke. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that the, the balm of God, the, the oil of God is flowing through your body from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. These wounds, 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 deep wounds that you're experiencing here today, that this presence and power of the Holy Spirit is flowing through you and flowing through you and flowing through you and flowing down into those wounds, and He's healing. Hallelujah. It's a, the ointment of God, the power, the presence of the Lord is flowing through you in the name. In the name. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. And I thank you for it, Father God. Lord, I thank you that what the devil has met for harm in this family's life, that you're going to turn around for good. They're going to come out of this better than they were before, Father God. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all those agreed said, amen. Amen, brother. Hallelujah. We're standing with you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father God. Glory. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Jesus. Could we just lift our hands to heaven for just a moment? Father, thank you. Lord, as we come before you this morning, Lord, that you speak and you lead and you guide us by your Holy Spirit. Chuck, I might have to have Leanne. Leanne's going to come up and do something for us here today. Thank you, Lord. Is Carrie here? She, she is not here. Thank you, Father. Don't disconnect. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.
Se balna ke lo se la madre do tai i balu mneta vlet so baleti ke nsi be ala kola itos. Mesema ka magro ko tigre be 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 so kolibleti be so ko. A new clarity is coming says the Lord. For things have become foggy and convoluted in society today. But as things have become darker on the outside, things are becoming brighter on the inside. Say, saith the Lord. Things that you couldn't see, now you'll begin to see. Things will begin to open up to you supernaturally. Where that, where that fog has been, and you, you're going to find yourself wiping the mirror and knocking the fog aside and saying, okay, now, okay, now I see. Now I see what's going on here. A new, and out of that, says the Lord, a new authority is going to rise up on my people that they're going to go forth in the power and the name of Christ, and they're going to begin to speak with the authority of Christ, and the love of God is going to compel them forward for the lost and for the destitute and for the broken and for the hurting and those who still feel lost in darkness, and they'll be stretching forth their hands like great beams of light into the darkness and hauling out people by the droves, says the Lord, for they will come out by the multitudes out of the darkness into the light. So prepare yourself to have that that enlightenment of the Spirit. Prepare yourself for the fog to lift, says the Lord. Clarity is coming, saith the Lord. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself, saith the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now, all of you that would receive that, I just ask you to lift your hands and say, God, that's for me. I take it. I take it for me, God. I take it for me. I take it for me. Hallelujah. I take it for me, God. The word that you give. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Leanne, please.